I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Today's guest is an American academic administrator who has served as the seventh president of Dillard University. Money Movers, please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Walter Kimbrough. Hi, Dr. Kimbrough, how are you? Great, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. So excited to have you on our podcast today. We love educators. We love people that are really serving as influential figures in our community. So really excited to get to know more about you. All right. So let's jump in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey through academia? Yeah, so I'm actually a native of Atlanta. So I've always really been excited about what this project is. And it's interesting when you look at the founders. I grew up basically about two miles away from Andrew Young's house. Wow. We in the same neighborhood, his son, Bo, used to come play football on our street. uh, So we're all a part of that community together. And then, of course, I went to Mays High School in Atlanta and Killer Mike went to Douglas. And so I tease him about going to the lesser of the two. Uh. <laughs> He's been out here to speak for me at Dillard. So we develop a relationship as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an Atlanta kid, Southwest Atlanta. 
went to University of Georgia, thought I was going to be a veterinarian, but got turned on to higher education and decided then I wanted to be a college president. So I've been working at different institutions, several in Atlanta, Emory and Georgia State. Oh, wow. You've done the Albany State University in Southwest Georgia. Um, I was president of Philander Smith College in Little Rock for seven and a half years before getting here, Dillard, 10 years ago. Wow, that's incredible. You've certainly done the rounds and put in your time teaching, you know, so many leaders of our future. So tell us more about the process of becoming a president in the university, especially, you know, a black university. That means a lot. There's a lot of kids that look up to you. Um, how do you go about doing that? And did you set your eyes on being a president in, at a university from a young age or did that sort of naturally evolve? Yeah, it, I mean, it evolved because, you know, at, at my high school back at that point in time, Atlanta had magnet schools and, and Mays was a magnet for math and science. So I did all the math and science things and thought I was going to be a veterinarian. And one of the reasons I went to the University of Georgia is because it has one of the best vet schools in the country. So I was going to get into vet school early and then finish up my undergrad degree and become a veterinarian. Well, I got into vet school early, and then after about a quarter, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't really like this. So I sort of had this, but I was very involved on campus and had a chance to meet a college president, the president of Alcorn State in Mississippi. And he said, you know, this is how you become a college president. So I sort of got excited about working on campus and working with young people. So that sort of got me on that path um, to be able to do this kind of work. And there are different ways. I, I work with an area that we call student affairs. So I worked in residence life and orientation and Greek life. I did those kinds of programs, but most presidents really come just straight from the faculty. But you get a lot of ranges. People come straight out of business. So a lot of different areas, but that was my path. I really found something I really like doing in terms of working with students outside of the classroom. And that was my path to the presidency. Wow, excellent. So tell us about some of your proudest accomplishments during your time as an educator. Oh, that's a really hard question. So, I'm, you know, here I, I think about it. I got to Dillard in 2012 and you're about seven years after Hurricane Katrina. So there was still a lot of work that needed to be done. And one of the big things we had is that the university had to get a $156 million loan to be able to rebuild the campus. Wow. But it was a loan. Wow. And it had to be repaid. And the way that they had it scheduled, it was like there was no way in the world we we're going to be able to get that repaid. So after my first year, we got a five-year forbearance, which meant we didn't have to pay anything and gave us five years of work with the government. And then finally in 2018, we got that loan forgiven. So in terms of just like this, we're talking about money. That was the biggest money move that we could make is to get $156 million dollars forgiven for the institution uh so i, I think always, that is huge right right exactly so i that's going to be one of my biggest accomplishments but you know i think over the long term you know when you get to see some of your former students and i'm at an age now where i've got some that are moving into their profession so one of my students from albany state she became the first woman and the first black person to be a judge in augusta georgia now augusta wow, is a very yeah. diverse a very diverse city, but I've known her since she was a freshman, you know, before she got married. I remember her texting me a picture of the engagement ring and I didn't say congratulations. And she said, Doc, you're not going to say congratulations. I was like, no, because I don't know him. Uh, right. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. We had to do all of that. I mean, so I followed, went to the wedding, you know, so all that. So I just followed her career the whole time. And so I'm at that point now where I'm really starting to see this is, you know, the life work is really coming alive and the right. things that they, so that story is now really be a good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. 
That's got to be a good feeling. Okay, so also tell us about this class that you have where you've got hip-hop artists coming to speak to students. So MC Light was on our board of trustees and we had this conversation just about the music. So we had this idea, what if we had a class that really looked at the lyrics? And so we framed it in terms of ethics, so the decisions that people make, what's right, what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. And in hip hop, there are lots of different messages that deal with it. So we look at a lot of different ranges uh, in terms of you know, how hip hop talks about men, how we talk about women, uh, the hip hop industry, and how does that, you know, address what's being talked about. Like just yesterday, we had a conversation with a professor from the University of Richmond, and they're doing some research to make sure that you can't use lyrics against people in court. New York is about to try to pass a law. Oh, and wow. Now that's right. kind of fascinating because if you see, I mean, you know, the media is always telling some story, but people who will who will have incriminated themselves in a in a right. song. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So there, yeah, New York is trying to pass a law so that you can't do that. And the st one of the state senators who is leading that cause is going to speak to my class next week. So I get a range of academics, uh, hip hop artists. Like I said, Killer Mike has been to class. We've talked to a range of artists. Uh, you know, particularly in Atlanta, there's this real link between hip hop and strip clubs. Right. So we've, had, we've had strippers talk about it in class. So we've dealt with the whole range. Last week, we had someone talk about religion in hip hop. So it's just been a fun class. It's different every semester because I just get different folks, but really good way to talk about what we value as a society and our personal values and ethics and morals. Interesting. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. 
If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I mean, you know, education has changed dramatically. We've come out of this pandemic where campuses were closed, they were open to this. How have you been able to navigate COVID in this tumultuous time? Right. So we never closed. We we kept students on campus the entire time because part of one of the surveys we did with UNCF, our students said we need to be there in person. And we were able to do some distancing so people could have single rooms and that kind of thing. But You know, there's more research that talks about students who are coming to college who are housing and food Mm -hmm. insecure. So it's not just about them being in school to get an education. For some students, this is the safest place for them to be. Even during a pandemic, it's a place where they have secure housing and secure meals, as well as getting education. So for them, they're saying, I had a student email me to say, look, I know it's a pandemic, but I'm safer in New Orleans than I am in Chicago. Right. That's very powerful. So there are lots of those. So we stayed open the entire time because it wasn't just about trying to keep students in school it was it was those social services that we provide as well and we heard a lot Um, of that you know we're based in atlanta and so we have you know everything from clark atlanta to morehouse to spelman here and we were working at the time running a technology accelerator with morehouse and when the pandemic hit we had the same issues that were you know really i think impacted our community in particular where there wasn't enough bandwidth of internet at home or there was no internet at all or there wasn't enough pcs there wasn't enough laptops or tablets for them to work and you know so a lot of different socioeconomic factors went into you know how our community is going to come out of covid so i'm sure keeping your doors open must have been you know in a time of crisis too a big decision but absolutely a great one yeah no for us it was it was the right thing like i said we did the survey with students and even that summer before you know i was talking to groups of students you know via zoom and parents and you know faculty particularly because you have faculty who are older who have comorbidities so you want to make sure you're not pushing them and then i talked to some parents and i even had one parent that said look my daughter grew so much that first year and even though i have comorbidities she needs to be there at school so it was just overwhelming support for people yeah. saying this is the right thing for us to do we never had any major outbreaks you know over the last two years so it we we handled it very responsibly it's, it's worked out well well kudos to you i'm sure that was a high pressure situation that many of us were in but also having to lead a whole entire school campus is a lot so congratulations Congratulations to you. All right, Dr. Kimbrough, as we wrap out, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your book. Tell us about the book that you wrote. Well, so 
part of my research, I look at uh, historically black fraternities and sororities, and this was really a part of, I started as a doctoral student at Georgia State and really doing some of this research, but to really just look at black fraternities and sororities, a deeper history than some of the basic things that people talk about. Um, so yeah, that book was done in 2003. I think it's like in its 12th or 13th printing. So it's been very popular. Um, but yeah, that's just my my personal research interest to see how these organizations operate, the benefits they can have for students in terms of leadership skill development. And then I guess the bad part of it too, I do expert witness work in hazing cases. So that's, I, I do the whole, the whole gamut of things in terms of that. Again, really important work. So now you're an author, you've been a president of a campus, you've recently announced your retirement. What's next for you? Well, so I don't know. So I always tell people, listen, I'm doing like LeBron. I'm not retiring. Right. I'm too young to retire. So even though I've been, I'm in my 18th year as a college president because I became a president when I was 37. So the average age of presence is 63. Exactly. So I'm still not, I'm not, the, I'm not the average age yet. So I'm too young to retire, but we'll see lots of different opportunities. Uh, you know, maybe in the next uh, few hours, I might be announcing something. It's like, <laughs> Stay tuned. I'm like, Come I'm back for a deep right, <laughs> right. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, um, we'll see what's next. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I'm sure you've got much more up under your sleeve in the next coming years. Like you say, retirement isn't what it is. You know, there's been a lot of these questions in the news about the great retirement, but a lot of people are just realizing they're switching hats, finding new career paths, you know, really pursuing their passions. So I'm sure there's much more to come for you. Yep, exactly. Um, Dr. Kimbrough, can you tell folks where they can follow you on your social media, how to connect with you? Right. So uh, the main social media, I, I use Twitter and Instagram a lot is at hip hop prayers, prayers with a Z. Uh, so you can find me there. And then just my name in terms of LinkedIn and Facebook, you can find me those there as well. So those are my my four main platforms that you'll find me on. Amazing. And Money Movers, please tune in because we are going to have Dr. Kimbrough return for a deep dive. And we're going to talk all about money, education, and how students can really shape their perspectives on building wealth from a young age. So looking forward to having that conversation with you, Dr. Kimbrough. Thank you so much again for joining us. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare it's brand new season two i'm marissa thalberg and i'm stephen wolf and we're excited to be back having bigger bolder and always real conversations Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.